The Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, episode 157. If Google were a country, it would rank as the 70th richest country in the world, ahead of Croatia, Kenya, and Guatemala. I'm moving to Google. Hello, travel nerds, and welcome to the Extra Pack of Peanuts Travel Podcast, the show that teaches you how to travel more and spend less. I'm your host, Travis Sherry, and joining me today is the Vanna White to my Pat Sajak, my <laughs> wife and constant travel companion, Heather. Hi, everyone. And I guess today, Heath, you're going to be Pat Sajak because you're the host, but you're much better looking and not nearly as old as he is. <laughs> well, thanks for that. But yeah, we're going to try to switch it up a little bit today. And the, what we're going to do today, folks, is Heather is going to be asking me a series of 10 questions. I have not looked at these questions beforehand. I have no knowledge of them. She's also going to add a little bit of fun to this by timing me. And I have to answer each question under three minutes. And Heather, explain to these guys what the questions are, where you came up with these questions. Well, we were trying to brainstorm for our next podcast. And I was just thinking, what do people want to know about travel? We travel all the time, but we forget that a lot of people don't. So I just thought it would be fun to do a podcast on the top 10 travel questions asked on Google. So these questions are from 2014, and this is what the world wanted to know about travel. And I've been sitting here, we went on a run earlier, I've been sitting here trying to think of what they might be to prepare, but I have absolutely no clue. And we do want your suggestions too, as well as what we should do on this podcast. So if you do have suggestions, you can tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. Of course, you can always send us an email, Trav at Extra Pack of Peanuts, because we want to answer the questions that you guys want to know or get the guests on that you guys want to have on. So remember, you can always give us suggestions that way. And this kind of came about. It was a great idea by Heather. We also did a webinar last week where I got on and did a reader listener question and answer session live on Google Hangouts. And I thought only 10 to 15 people would show up. And we had over 150 people. We had probably 100 questions at least. I had to cut it off after about two hours. So that was really, really neat. And what we're going to be doing, if you guys did not get to that webinar, if you did not hear about that Q&A, make sure you go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash free. Sign up for our newsletter because that's why I announced this webinar and uh, live Q&A too. And we're also going to be sending out information on how you can rewatch that. So amazing questions about the basics of frequent fire miles and credit cards and all that stuff. So if you're interested in that, make sure to go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash free. Sign up for our newsletter. That's where a lot of good stuff takes place. Also, one little piece of housekeeping before we get started. I am also changing around the extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods page. That's our podcast homepage on our site. I want to make it easier for you guys to find the episodes that I mentioned from the archives at the end. So it's going to be a chronological list on that page of every episode we've ever done. I've gotten some suggestions and some feedback from listeners who said I want it 
to be easier to find old episodes. So it's going to be a list. All of them will be linked up. So if you've been going to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods, you'll see that it's changed around a little bit just to make it easier for you to find older episodes. So check that out if you do want to delve into some of the, the past episodes. Lastly, today's episode is sponsored by Tortuga Backpacks. I've got my Tortuga on this trip. I did pack in the big Tortuga, Heth. If you guys listened to our episodes from last week, I was debating between my Tortuga Air and my Tortuga Backpack. I went with the original version. If you guys want a backpack, check out TortugaBackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capitals. Get 10% off. Wow. All right. Now it's time for you to start talking a little bit because we're going to jump into these questions. Yeah, and this is going to be fun, I think. So I'm going to start the timer as soon as I've finished asking the question. And I think we all know that Travis can sometimes be a little long-winded. So I'm interested to see how many questions he can answer in under three minutes. Well, we're doing three minutes for each question, yes. right? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I, but and I there's, think there'll that, be a buzzer. I'm not yes. looking at the timer. So when the timer goes off, I'm done. So I'm going to try my best. Here. Yes. Each question, you'll have three minutes. I just think you'll probably go over on most of them. Maybe not, though. Maybe not. All right. Let's do it. Okay. Let's start with, we're going to count down starting from 10 to, I assume, would be the number one travel question. So these are the top 10 travel top questions 10. asked on Google by the world. In 2014. Okay. Number 10. Do you need traveler's insurance? Wow. What a tough question to start off. I would say that travel insurance is a necessity. For us, we spent the first three or four years of our traveling around the world stuff, you know, these these past three or four years, not having travel insurance. I think that was a little foolhardy. We have nothing happened to us. Thankfully, that was major. Heather did go to the ER, but we paid out of pocket. It was 30 bucks, stuff like that, because we're in Thailand. But we do now carry travel insurance. It's affordable. I mean, depending on a variety of factors, you can get it for under... 60 bucks a month. It covers a lot of things, not just the health stuff, but we really got it because of the huge catastrophic stuff if it happened. If something really major happened when we were in a country, you know, it'll cover stuff like getting life flighted out, something that would cost thousands, tens of thousands of dollars. That's really why we have it for those major things to, to really safeguard against that. It also does cover flight delays and baggage loss and stuff like that. So for how cheap it is, I definitely think it's worth it. And of course, it'll uh, variety of factors will change how much it's going to cost for you, age and where you're going and things like that. But it's always pretty affordable. I would definitely recommend travel insurance. And we use worldnomads.com. If you want to go through our link, you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash resources, find the World Nomads link. That's what we've used and we're happy with it so far. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. Uh, you still have a minute and 30 seconds left if you want to add anything I'm else. I'm good. Brevity. <laughs> I just want to say that with the World Nomads and probably with other travel insurance companies, you can pick the different packages almost. Like there's for World Nomads package A and B or something like that. And Some are more comprehensive than others. So pick the one that works for you. And but some, it's straightforward. Yeah. It doesn't, it's not that hard to figure out. They make it, the reason I like them is they make it really clear. Exactly. And you can, the one that we chose didn't include really extreme things like bungee jumping, but it covered skiing. So you know what I mean? You can choose different You do things. want to look in, we actually got it because we were going to be skiing in Vail in Colorado and we were scared, but you do want to look at what it includes. Most will include normal activities. And then if you want to bump up, if you are going to do bungee jumping or crazy stuff like that, 
you want to make sure that's included. Okay, and you had 41 seconds to Let's spare. Let's go right into the next Starting question. Starting off with a good, a good note. All right, next question, number nine. How do you apply for a travel document? A travel document. I assume these people are asking visas, visas and passports. Exactly. So for this, we did a great interview with the guys from Allied Passports a while back on this podcast. You'll want to check that out if you really want to know about visas and passports and things like that. But basically to get visas, there's three types of visas. We'll hit on that first. There's the one that you get when you arrive in the country. So each country will have different rules. Some do not require Americans to get visas. Case in point, when you go to Europe, you don't need a visa. You can just go for up to 90 days. In most countries in Europe, the Schengen countries or whatever. Because yeah, most some... countries in Europe. Yeah. Okay, so then the other one is visa upon arrival, which an example of this would be Cambodia. When you go, you get to the airport and you just get the visa there. So you don't have to do anything special before that. And actually in Turkey, you also had to do that. Right. Uh, The third type of visa is going to be a visa that you have to, like an e-visa. So you do something ahead of time, but it's really easy. For example, US citizens, when you go to Australia, you can go online, you put in your information, you get a visa. You don't have to print it out. It's just in the system. So you can get that. You have to do it ahead of time, but it takes like five minutes. And the fourth is, is the hard one, and that's getting a visa to a country like China, like India, like Vietnam, where you, you at that point, you would have to follow their rules. Usually that means going to their consulate in the United States or whatever country you're in, applying for the visa, paying money. Sometimes it's pretty expensive. You know, China is 200 some bucks. So is Brazil. And it it's a process that could take up to a month, two months. You usually have to hand deliver your passport to the consulate. They have to get you a visa, send it back. So it could take a while. So that's how you go about getting travel documents. As far as passports, again, you could go to the US Passport Center. You could fill out your information and send it in. Passports are are fairly easy and fairly straightforward, you know, for Americans, especially if you're in the US, it's pretty simple because you can send it in and they'll actually mail it back to you. Okay. That's all that's it? I assume that's what they mean about travel documents. There is other types of crazy visas in different countries, student visas, work visas, that's stuff that you'd have to figure out a little more in depth with your university or you know, the company you're working for, things like that. They'll usually take care of that for you. Okay, nice and concise. I like it. 40 seconds left to spare on that one. Wow. (laughs) I'm building up time for later. Yeah. And we just do want to remind everyone something that happened to us on our last trip having to do with your passport. Trav, do you remember what it is? I did not tell my mother that she needed to have her passport have six months of validity. So it couldn't expire within these next six months for going to Cambodia. And so we actually had to go to the U.S. consulate in Bangkok, get her a temporary passport. It was a mess. It worked out, but it was a mess. So some countries require that you have six months of validity on your passport. So don't think, oh, it ends in June. It's only April. I'm fine. A lot of countries say you have to have six months of validity to get into the country. Right. And so just a good rule of thumb is to always use Google to check If you need a visa, what type of visa, and make sure that your passport is valid. Do your research ahead of time. Don't get kicked out of the country when you arrive there. And make sure you have enough pages in your passport. Okay, moving on to the next question. Number eight, I think you're going to like this one. What are the best times to travel to Asia? All the time, especially (laughs) Southeast Asia. Um, Asia, a huge continent, so this will vary depending on the country you're talking about. I I love these questions. Since they're Googled, I mean, I do the same thing. You start general and then you kind of get more specific and niche down. 
as far as Southeast Asia, I mean, a lot of times you want to go when it's not the rainy season, obviously, and it's not too hot. So an example of this, again, this depends on the country, but Thailand, you want to go in you know November, December, January time before it really starts to get really hot in March. But down in Indonesia and Bali, that's rainy season. So it's really going to vary depending on the country, even something like China. I mean, during their winter, which would be you know during our U.S. winter, it can get really, really, really cold up in northern China, but it can be really hot. I mean, we went in February and we were in Lijiang, which is out near Tibet, almost on the border of of Vietnam, and we were in shorts and a t-shirt. So it, I mean, it runs the gamut. As far as a country can really speak to would be Japan. I don't know if a lot of people consider Japan Asia. I mean, it's usually kind of, they usually say it separately, right? Like they think of it its own own thing. But Japan is really great in April and May. Um, the cherry blossoms come out and all t- and things like that. It can be pretty hot in the summer, depending where you are, especially the further south you go. It can be really cold in the winter. But this is tough because it's a whole continent. So you're really going to have to look at the country or area that you want to go to and then go from that. The way that I always look at stuff, I usually type in temperature in Bangkok in May. And then, you know, you'll find it and it'll give you the whole yearly temperature. Wikipedia is great for this. It gives you the high and the low and the precipitation for each thing. And then kind of just determine when you want to go there. Or you can Google what's the best time to go in X as people obviously are doing, since that was the question, and that'll give you the the best times. But a general rule of thumb for most travel that we like to use is you don't always want to go right at peak season. And this this isn't for Asia as much as maybe Europe sometimes, but if you go in shoulder season, which is right after or right before peak season, you can usually get better deals on accommodations. You know, everything's cheaper. The weather is generally almost as nice as peak season, and there's so many less tourists. So that's when we like to travel is that shoulder season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you have 27 seconds left. Wow. Roll into the next one. I am so impressed. I don't want to hear that buzzer. <laughs> okay. The next question, number seven. What's the best way to fold a dress shirt for travel? Uh, uh, um, I don't fold anything. So when I travel, I actually roll all my clothes. If it's a really... I actually don't usually wear nice dress shirts or suits either. A perk of being your own boss. It's flip-flops and shorts and a t-shirt. Maybe a button down here and there. But if you're going to have a dress shirt, I would recommend bringing or a suit or something like that, I would recommend bringing it in one of those uh, really cool pieces of luggage. And if I ever did become someone who needed to wear a suit, which I hope I never do, but if I did, they have those awesome carry-on bags that like the suits kind of fold up in, but they keep them really fresh. And I've seen guys with with suits and then dress shirts, you know, tucked in them, carrying them like that. So that's how I would do it. I would not I usually roll all my clothes because I don't, you know, it's t-shirts and things like that. I wouldn't roll a dress shirt, of course, unless you get to the hotel or wherever you're going and then you want to get it ironed. That's fine, too. That's a tough question. Yeah. Well, why don't you recommend like what you wear or what are good fabrics for travel? Because when we travel... Why don't you recommend that? Because (laughs) you're the little fashionista. I mean, I travel with really light clothing now. That's the biggest thing. I used to wear like kind of heavy cargo cotton shorts. Now I've I've gotten a lot thinner, like just regular, not even khaki. They're really thin material shorts. 
I also, J. Crew makes these button down shirts that you got me to buy. I never thought I'd buy J. Crew shirts, but I, I have. They're awesome. Like a lightweight material because a lot of times we're traveling to places that are warmer. If you are, if you are going to Southeast Asia or areas like that. And what's good about them is then if you want something warmer, you just layer on top of it. So I try to get, bring more layers and lighter clothes because it's much more versatile than having a really, really heavy, you know, thick cotton shirt or shorts where if you're somewhere that's warm, you're going to sweat a lot. Right. And I mean, they make different weaves of cotton so that you can, I mean, cotton is definitely a good versatile type of fabric to have and the lighter, the better. And you could also get some for women, some type of silk dress shirts. They don't really wrinkle too much. And also Jersey. I mean, t-shirts, but also nice Jersey things. Yeah. Yeah, like sports jerseys, like I'm wearing one right now because they're great because they're kind of sweat wicking and they're easy to pack and things like that. I should mention when we were just in Thailand, I did get a linen. I got two suits, one linen suit, one regular suit and a dress shirt. And I just carried them, you know, on a hanger um, with a garment bag. And then I just, you know, were kind of folded over one time and I would carry it with me as a carry on. And that worked fine. And when we got back, you know, they need to get a little ironed or, or steamed or something, but they were, you know, it's not like they ruined or anything like that. Yeah. Moving on. Okay. Well, that one was close. I cannot believe that's Googled that often, but hey. um, That was only six seconds left on that one. Who knew? Who knew? That Talk you would take fashion. the most time to talk about clothes. Okay. Number six. This is a tough one. Are I'm you ready? ready. Oh, I'm okay. ready. How do you get paid to travel? Ah, the age old <laughs> question. How can I get paid to travel? This could be a podcast in and of itself, and we should probably do that. I can speak to what we do. We are now calling ourselves, I won't say, well, yeah, I'll say branding ourselves professional travelers because people always ask us what we do, and I have to go into this big spiel of, we run a site, we have a podcast, we do videos, da, da, da. Finally, I just said, you know what? We're professional travelers. Everything we do revolves around travel in some facet. How do you get paid to travel? Well, if you're someone like us, you can start a website, you can start a podcast, you know, but that takes a lot of lot of work. It's not really getting paid to travel. It's just that what we're doing is talking about travel. So you can do that in any niche that you want. I wouldn't say that's the best way or quickest way to get paid to travel. There are some other ways that you can get paid to travel. One of those is teaching English in a foreign country. And we did this. Now, you're not really... You are traveling. I mean, it dep- and it depends how long you're going to be there. We taught in Japan for two years. So we were living in Japan, but we traveled a lot from there. And the whole experience to Japan, I would consider it travel. I mean, we traveled to Japan and we lived amongst it. So getting paid to teach English in foreign countries, a lot of times you can do that. If you, don't, if you want a little more freelance there, you can, of course, then tutor or show up in a country, try to tutor, things like that. You need a little bit more hustle to do that. You can write. So if you are a freelance writer, I mean, start going out to some publications and trying to get your work published, you know, pitch them on different things. There's a lot of online. I wouldn't go after like huge New York Times or USA Today or things like that. That'd be very hard. But there's a lot of these online magazines, publications looking for writers. You might not get paid a lot, but it could be a good in. So start going to some of those and, and, you know, pitching them with an idea or writing up an idea and sending it to them. Be proactive with that. Those are some of the, the the ways that come to mind right off the bat of getting paid to travel. Yeah, those are great examples. Great examples. I mean, usually it's not going to be a lot of money. I will say that no matter what you're doing, whether it's teaching English, whether it's writing, whether it is starting your own website, I mean, it's going to take a long time to get paid a lot of money. But if the goal is to travel and just kind of make it, 
That's one way. Another awesome way that I just thought of, as you're traveling, pick up some jobs in that country. So a lot of times people will work at the hostel or guest house or something like that. Hey, I'm in Sevilla. I want to stay here for a little bit. I'm going to, you know, this hostel I'm staying at's cool. Can I work at the front desk? A lot of times they'll give you lodging and some money just to, you know, work out or work around the hostel. So that's a really neat way to do it. Again, you're not going to get rich, but you're going to be able to travel and have enough to hopefully make ends meet if you're traveling pretty frugally. Yeah. Just get up and go get to the country and kind of figure it out when you get there. There's other ways I should mention. Woofing is another thing where you work on organic farms. So what you're doing is then you're working on these farms and they are then... Paying you. Uh oh, three woofing. minutes. Is Look up. it up. You work on a farm three for someone and up. you get your accommodations <laughs> taken care of for maybe a little bit of money. Yes. Okay. Those are all great tips. Very interesting. Next. Okay. Next. Number five how to travel alone. Now, this isn't something we really do. Is this just but a question how to travel alone? Probably how to travel alone safely or just tips and tricks to travel alone. Okay. Uh, start the timer. Traveling alone, again, as Heather mentioned, not something we do that often. I have the good fortune of getting to travel with Heather. She has the misfortune of getting to travel with me. But when you're traveling alone, there are a few pieces of advice, I think, that seem like common sense, but a lot of people forget. One is you always want to make sure that you're doing things that would keep you safe even if you were at home. So for example, I wouldn't go out and meet someone that day and go out and get super um, loaded with them drinking or, or anything like that. Because you never know who these people are. They could seem great. They probably are great, but you never know. So when you're in cities and when you're in areas, take precautions that you would take at home. Don't wander around the streets alone at night. You probably wouldn't do that in your home city or hometown. Don't do that when you're traveling. Another cool way to travel safely and I think kind of have some better experiences alone is if you do stay at local guest houses or hostels or places that are conducive to a social environment. So sometimes you're traveling alone because you want to be alone and that's fine. So in that case, you could still stay at hostels and, and not really talk to people. But a lot of times you're traveling alone because the people in your life didn't want to take this trip with you. You don't want to be alone the whole time that you're traveling. So if you stay at a hostel, a lot of them have built-in social environments. So there's common lounges that you can stay in. You know, everyone hangs out in there. There might be guitars, pool tables, things like that. There's also, you know, dorm rooms. So if you want to save money when you're traveling alone, that's a great way. You're not paying all this money for a hotel room. Instead, you're staying in a dorm. You're paying for a bed. There's other people in there. Maybe it works out. Maybe it doesn't that you become friends with them, but you're paying less money. Hostels will a lot of times have events every day or every other day. Hey, we're going to do a bike tour together. We're going to be cooking dinner together. We're going to be you know, doing a bar crawl, whatever it is. So that's a really nice way to meet other travelers if you are someone who's traveling alone. You can find hostels almost anywhere, especially in cities. There's a ton, but even in small towns. And so that's a way to have an experience of traveling alone but also then have the people there in case you need it. And when we say hostels, it doesn't have to be dingy, dang hostels like some people think of. Everyone who listens to this, this podcast knows that we stay in hostels. We're 32 now. Sometimes we stay in hostels. They have some really, really amazing ones now, kind of like boutique hotels, really. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I am. everyone who listens to this knows that I do not like to stay in really terrible, awful, gross places. And some of our best travel accommodations have been hostels because they have some really good ones out there. And we also stay in hotels. But if you do want that community feel, 
then it's really cool to stay somewhere like that. And I just, I also want to add on top of this, and Travis, you had quite a few seconds left to this. I did stop the timer. But, um, Buzzer's going to go off on you. I know, and it probably would have. But I just want to say something because we don't travel alone, but I know a lot of people do. And I think that an important thing to remember is to just be aware of your actions, like your demeanor and your character. Because if you're thinking smart and you're being respectful of those cultures, you're usually going to be okay. The last piece I would add to that is don't be afraid to talk to other people. You know, uh, when I am alone, people come up to me more often because you're alone. You know, you not that you look vulnerable, but it's easier to approach. But if you are traveling alone and you see other people, don't be afraid to talk to them because a lot of other travelers are traveling because they want to meet people. So, you know, don't be afraid to go up and say, hey, I'm here by myself. What are you guys doing? you mind if I join something like that? Or at least make small talk before that if, if you don't feel comfortable asking your way out with a group of people. Don't be afraid to do that. And don't get too down if you think, oh, it's just me. Everyone else has stuff to do. There is some really good parts about traveling alone because it really you get a different experience. So kind of embrace those times where you have some solitude and use it as a time to reflect and really enjoy traveling alone because it is a lot different than with groups and you're going to have different experiences. So don't, you know, let it bum you out or anything like that. Absolutely. Great answer. Okay, the next one, number 4, and this kind of ties Well, we're in. already halfway through. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, All unless right. I skipped one. I don't think so. Number 4, it kind of ties in to number 6, how do you get paid to travel? Number 4 is what are jobs where you can travel? Okay, start the timer. Okay. Jobs where you can travel. One, being a bum who runs their own website and podcast. Great job <laughs> for traveling. There are nowadays so many more opportunities than there used to be for people to travel with their jobs. So before, I think people would think of travel jobs as, I'm a pilot, I'm a stewardess, I'm a high-end business, like international businessman who travels on business. But now everyone can really travel for the most part. For example, Jason and I run a, a group called locationindie.com, where it's a community of people who basically want to work and travel. So it's not saying, I don't want to work. It's saying, I want to work. I just want to work and be able to travel. And that's kind of what, what we teach in there. So I think there are a lot of jobs out there that you traditionally wouldn't think could travel that can with the internet. So a lot of times people call it telecommuting or working remotely. So if you are in one of those jobs where you do a lot of work on the internet, maybe you have a position where you know you work from home three days a week or something like that, I would look at how you could possibly turn that into something where you could travel. That doesn't mean you're going to get to travel all the time. What it means is you might be able to say to your boss, hey, I work from home three days a week or two days a week or one day a week, or I could work from home and I don't yet, and I want to travel some more. Could I take two weeks to go somewhere and still work as long as I have the internet and do it as a trial basis and see how it works? And a lot of times what people find is when they do this and they go away and they're working while they're traveling, they find that they are more productive because a lot of the constraints that weigh them down aren't there. You know, you're not having people call you as much. You're not doing this. You're not doing that. And so a lot of times if you do as a trial run, people will be like, wow, that really worked. I can't believe he was down in Mexico and he got more work done. So if you are in one of those positions, figure out a way that maybe you can give it a trial run. Other jobs we kind of already mentioned, you know, teaching English abroad and things like that. There are those jobs that are traditional travel jobs. Um, travel writers, another cool one that I just thought of, you can be a tour guide. So a lot of people will go and do that. 
when you go to these big cities, especially in Europe, you'll see people who do these free walking tours. And what they'll do is they are a guide and you have and the tour is free and then you pay them on tips. So the company loves it because it's nothing out of their pocket and the guides love it because if they're good, they'll get tips. And so they'll move there and they'll run these free walking tours of Berlin or Prague or whatever. And we've had some fantastic ones. So a lot of people will do that to go over and get their foot in the door and start. And, you know, if you know the language already or it's an English-speaking country, if you speak English, a lot of times you can also get random jobs, as we mentioned, at hostels or bars or things like that. So you're not traveling all the time. It's not like every day you're picking up and going, but you're getting to live in another culture. Okay. Excellent answer. And you had 12 seconds to spare. Location, indie, dot com. That's what we do. How can people travel, live, and work anywhere in the world? Absolutely. Okay. Next question. Number three. Now, this is a perfect one for you. How do I start a travel blog? Go. Jeez, I didn't realize, think this would be so much about, I guess, the business behind it. But how do you start a travel blog? Well, the first thing you want to do is you want to start writing because if if it is writing that you're passionate about, and it's been interesting for us because we went from doing a lot of writing and only writing to then doing some writing, doing some podcasting to now doing some writing, some podcasting, some video. So it, it totally changes. But the easiest way to start is obviously, like we mentioned, writing. And so if you want to start a travel blog, you need to start writing. Because when I go back and I read some of the posts that I wrote before there, not that the information is bad, but the voice and the style is not what it is now. And it takes a long time to find your voice. I think it constantly changes. So you want to start writing, even if that's to one person or to know people. Get your site up. You know, it's pretty easy to set up a website. I've done it and I know nothing about it. You know, set up a website. My first iteration of Extra Pack of Peanuts, if anyone remembers it who's listening, was horrendous. I should try to find a picture. I can attest to that. <laughs> I mean, it was awful. But what I do, I started writing. And eventually people started reading because of the information, not because how it looked. There are a lot of websites out there that look less pretty than ours and that don't and have much more traffic. And there are a lot of websites out there that look really, really nice and don't have any traffic. It's not the look exactly. It's the information. You can build a website and people might not come to it. That's the other thing too. You want to be realistic. I mean, you're probably not going to start right. You probably think what you're going to write is going to set the world on fire. And that's exactly what I thought. And I always think my podcast is going to be amazing. My videos are going to do awesome. And the truth is they do do well now, but they don't do as well as I even think they're going to do. And but I'm usually happy with it because it's helping people out. So you want to, you don't want to set these benchmarks of I, I'm going to make it huge. You want to be realistic. Start writing. Don't expect to make any money from it for six months or even longer. Find your voice. And also, what you want to do is, is there something unique you can lend to it? Like people say, I want to write a travel blog about my travel experiences. Well, that's great. Maybe you're an amazing writer. Maybe your experiences are that much better than other people's. You can make it. But is there something of value that you can lend other people? Because mostly people want value from you. They want to learn something or they want to. They don't just want to read about your experiences. What can you lend? So for me, what I'm good at is frequent flyer miles and how to travel cheap. So we started writing about that because not a lot of people are writing about it. Now, of course, we give our opinions on where we travel and all that stuff and tell our stories. But we're trying to provide value with, hey, here's also how you can travel cheap. It's not just listen to me talk about my stories. It's listen to me talk about my stories. Here's how I'm doing it for cheap. Here's how it can help you. So find a way that you can provide that value. And that's going to help a lot because people want to get something from you. 
Absolutely. Wow. You just made it. The buzzer is going off right now. Dude, I made it in. I can't believe you let the buzzer ring. Well, you really made it in, but I like to hear the buzzer because it's fun. <laughs> All right. And that was a great answer. I have to say that when you started your, your blog, you did such a great job with it. I'm so proud of you. I just want to throw that out there. I mean, I know that this is my interview to you and that you're the one that's supposed to be doing most of the talking, but You started the website and you were so smart about it. I mean, you did it while you were still teaching and you set it up and you worked extra hard because you already had another job and you did think outside the box. Like you have to make your website unique and have something special so that people want to come to it. And the last piece of advice, I know the buzzer went off, write what you want to read. So many times I thought, oh, should this be a longer post or a shorter post or this or that? What's going to get the most clicks? How, you know, should I use all these marketing techniques? And then I just thought, yeah, all that's kind of good, but write what you want to read because that and record what we want to listen to, because in the end, that's what we're going to be good at. And so we might not attract certain people who want shorter posts, but we're going to attract the people who are like us. All right, move on. Absolutely. Okay. Next question, how to travel on a budget? Okay. So easy for you to say. Three minutes, how to travel (laughs) on a budget. Here we go. So my, I don't even know how many pieces of advice I'm going to get in here. So I'll just start. One, make sure that you're using everything in your power to get cheap flights. That means frequent flyer miles, especially if you're in the US or Canada, but Australians and UK citizens can do that too. Use frequent flyer miles, get basically free flights. Also, make sure you check out budget airlines. They're all over the world. They're going to save you a lot of money. We've used We've used Air Asia in Asia over a hundred times. Ryanair, EasyJet, uh, in the states, Frontier Airlines, Spirit Airlines. Make sure you're checking out budget airlines. Number three, if you can get mistake fares, that's awesome. We've talked about mistake fares on this podcast, but basically there's some sort of tech glitch or something like that where you know we got $125 tickets to Milan and $225 tickets to Madrid. Under $500 tickets to China. We're going to South Africa in September for $320. So these are mistake fears. If you have some flexibility and you don't exactly care where you're going to go, hop on these. They're amazing ways to get to some crazy places for you know a third or a quarter or a fifth the price. So make sure you're doing that. That's my recommendations with flying. When it comes to accommodations, because accommodations flying are too big, you know... Costs. Costs, yeah, kind of take chunks out of your budget. Hotels are not the only answer. Of course, you can stay in hotels if you have hotel points, or you can stay in cheap hotels or motels. But look at hostels. Look at boutique guest houses. Look at um, boutique hotels, these other options. We love renting apartments because that's an easy way to save some money, usually cheaper than an apartment and have a more or a, than a hotel and have a more authentic experience. So we use Airbnb, HomeAway is number, another one, VRBO, Go With O. Make sure you're looking at apartments. If you really want to do it budget, you can couch surf, so you're staying on people's couches in their homes for free. Always try to be um, really nice when you do that. Maybe bring a gift, but it's a great way to meet local people and also stay somewhere for free. Of course, you can camp, things like that. If you're out in the wilderness, that always saves some money there. When you're in a country, so now we're talking about transportation, right? Within a country, renting cars can sometimes be cheaper than taking public transportation if you have a bunch of people. So we have a step-by-step guide to renting to getting the cheapest car rentals. You want to check that out. You know, if you're booking train tickets, if you're in Europe, the further out you book, the better. But don't be afraid to take local trains. They're going to be cheaper than kind of the bullet trains and things like that. Make sure you look at maybe rail passes. Japan has a rail pass, the Euro rail, a lot of people know about where you get seven days or 14 days. 
If you're traveling a lot by train, that can save a lot of money. When it comes to eating, I mean, we're trying to cover it all here. When it comes to eating, make sure you're, you know, you could spend a lot or a little no matter what country you're in. Even in Paris, we were able to get like $3.50 baguettes and things like that. Okay, time's up. All right. I could have talked forever. So let's just <laughs> but move on. But if you're listening to this podcast, hopefully you've listened to others and we do cover this topic pretty well. I mean, I, think. I would say 80% of our podcasts cover this topic in some form or another, whether it's flights, accommodations, eating, interviewing people who budget travel, all that type of stuff. I mean, you guys know there's a plethora of information on the website. We will link up a lot of what I kind of just really quickly touched on some of our best posts in the show notes. Also, you can go to the Start Here page on extrapackofpeanuts.com. That links up all our best stuff. Okay, and you are doing an excellent job, I must say. Now we are down to the number one asked travel question on Google. I know, I have to take a breather here. Take a breather. I have to say that this question is very general and kind of a little bit silly, so... It might not even take you three minutes to answer it. I don't I, know. I do not know what this could be. We've touched on stuff from folding shirts to the huge questions of how do I travel and work, all types of stuff. All right. What is number one? Number one, how to travel the world. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what are you answer? Right. What is the answer for this? <laughs> so if I'm just going to imagine that someone walked up to me and she said, Travis, I want to travel the world. How can I do it? So I guess here's what I would answer without really even thinking Wait, about it. Wait, I haven't even started the, Start timer. the timer. Sorry. <laughs> so this kid walks up to me or this person walks up to me. It doesn't have to be a kid. It can be anyone of any age traveling the world. How can I travel the world? I would tell them, okay, well, if you don't need money, if you already have some money, you don't need to travel and work, take some of the advice we just mentioned. Make sure you set a budget of each day I'm going to spend this amount of money and stick to it. That doesn't mean that every single day. So for example, Heather and I have a budget of $50 a day. Generally, it depends. I mean, if we're traveling in Paris, that's not going to happen. But that's what we try to stick to a lot of times. So that doesn't mean that today, we're going to go and maybe we don't maybe we spend more than $50 a day today because we're going out to eat or something like that. But that means over the haul, maybe maybe you set it say $50 a day. So every week, it's a certain amount, and you try to stick to it. So always go in with a budget. And that usually is based on where you're traveling. So places that are cheaper, your budget's going to be less. So Thailand, $50 a day. I mean, $50 a day, you can live like a relative king, especially if it's only one of you. Paris is going to be very hard to do on $50 a day, but you could if you're a single person. So get your budget based on how much money you have and how much you want to travel and go from there. Then you're going to look at the big costs, the things like flights. Obviously, like I already mentioned, if you can use frequent fire miles, that's huge. Um, the way that we're able to travel all around the world and basically do it for really cheap is because we pay so little for flights. I mean, we have probably flown, I should add it up, but value-wise in the last three years, I bet we've flown over $50,000 worth of flights, probably, probably well over that. And we've probably paid a couple thousand, maybe less than that. So you really want to make sure that you can you can handle those flights. If you travel overland, if you really want to travel the world and you want to do it slow, then you could travel overland and you can do it pretty cheap. I mean, you could take railways all the way across Russia. Buses. Buses across India. I mean, you can do it car really, shares. really cheap. Car shares. So there's a lot of ways to travel the world. I would, like, I would tell people to err on the side of going slower and spending more time in places. Because when we find that we do this, and we've only started doing this the last 
half year to a year where we've said every time we have the opportunity to either go slower or faster, we're going to go slower and it's worked out. So spend more time in a place and see less places than trying to go two days here, two days here, two days here, two days here. I mean, you can do that, especially in Europe if you're going between major cities. That's not that hard. But spend more time in areas and really dig in. I think you're going to have a richer experience. So that's if someone's saying, I just want to travel the world, I'd say go slower, take your time, don't try to see everything. Try to really those big expenses like accommodations and flights, try to do them as cheap as possible with as much value as possible so that you have money to spend on experiences like doing a camel safari or something like that. Wow. Ran out of time on that one. Well, there was, uh, yeah, <laughs> that's very general. And I hope that really helps traveling the world. How to travel the world. Big question. We hope we answer that for you guys. So how do you think I did, Heather? All right? I think you did a great job, especially since you didn't know these questions at all. And you just like right from the end of the question went for it. And you obviously have a wealth of information. So I knew it wouldn't be too hard for you to do it. I, I actually wasn't too nervous on this compared to just doing the live question and answer that we did last week because I didn't know that there would be a ton of questions on that. And like we said, there's over probably 100 questions asked on that. And mostly about credit cards and frequent fire miles, some about accommodations and, and some general ones about, you know, how can I travel cheaper? So if you guys are interested in that, it was fantastic. If anyone was on it, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining the webinar because I was very nervous. I actually had a PowerPoint prepared because I didn't know there'd be questions. I thought maybe the 10 people that I tried to wrangle in, like my friends, like, please show up for this webinar so that there's at least someone there. I thought that would be it. At one point, we had over 150 people, tons of amazing questions. I spoke for two hours basically straight and could have kept going. So if you guys want to get a replay of that, we, are, we weren't going to allow it to be um, had through a replay because originally we wanted people to show up. But what I realized is there's so much value in there. I want people to get it. I want people to get it for free. I think it's amazing. Even at the end, we had like 80 people on it still for the whole two hours. So if you want to get the replay of that webinar you can go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash free. Join the newsletter. You'll get our uh, PDF guide on 20 ways to save money when traveling as well. But then I'll also be sending out that webinar, the link to it of how people can use it. You can also get it on audio, I believe. I think you can take just the audio so you don't have to watch a video and put it on your um, iPhone or anything like that. So if you like the podcast, you're really going to like that. It's just me asking, answering questions for uh, two hours. It's it's really phenomenal stuff. Some amazing questions. So extrapackofpeanuts.com slash free. You can get that there. And uh, that really set me up for doing what I think was a decent job here. So yeah, Pat, you did fantastic as a host. Oh, well, thank you very much. A beautiful Pat Sadie. <laughs> so I just wanted to end this by saying that in 2014, it seemed like the trend was a lot of entrepreneurial questions about traveling and like big, like traveling around the world. And things like that. So far for 2015, I've also looked at some of the questions and it's only, you know, the fourth month of the year, but the questions so far are pretty different. So we could always do this again for 2015 in the future, but we also would love to hear from you. So don't forget, if you want some of your questions answered, you can just tweet us or email us or leave some comments even here. Yeah, exactly. We want to know. We want to answer the questions that you have or the big... We want to tackle the subjects that you have. And sometimes it's hard for us to come up with them on our own because we feel like we've covered a lot. And then someone will say, hey, you haven't done this. And I'm like, wow, you're right. Let's go into that. So tweet us at Pack of Peanuts. Email me, Trav, at Extra Pack of Peanuts. Of course, you can also leave a comment on the show notes here. 
let us know if you have a question that you want specifically answered. And if you like this, let us know, and then we'll do the 2015 questions at some point too. So check that out. I um, do want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Again, Tortuga Backpacks. If you're looking for a backpack, tortugabackpacks.com. Use the promo code EPOP, E-P-O-P, all capitals. And we'll give them two more podcasts to listen to. So they've got the two hours worth of Q&A that they're going to go get by signing up for the newsletter if they're not already on it. And we're also going to give you two podcasts that kind of are in the similar vein of this. So if you like this, you'll like them. Give them the first one, Heath. It's the episode number 80, how to book a flight using frequent flyer miles. And these were questions from readers that I believe Jason asked me. So we kind of delved into all the nuts and bolts of frequent flyer miles here. And then EPOP 64. The reader question and answer for credit cards. Yes, everything you wanted to know about credit cards. So again, you could go to extrapackofpeanuts.com slash pods. P-O-D-S, everything will be linked up in chronological order with the number in the beginning. So we didn't have it like that before. So if you're saying, I want to find 80 and I want to find it easily, they'll say EPOP 80, boom, and they'll give the title. So you're looking for EPOP 80 and EPOP 64. And don't forget, guys, sign up for the free newsletter. That'll keep you in the loop. Extrapackofpeanuts.com slash free. There we go. I wish we had a buzzer here. You could buzz me out, but we don't have the buzzer anymore. I made it under three minutes. So until next time, Everyone, thank you for joining us. Thanks for the support. I said the until next time too early. Until next time, (laughs) happy happy free free travels. travels.